President Trump is being slammed for supposedly making racist comments. Once again, Trump being accused of racism, comments he made while speaking to a group of black conservatives. And Trump said the reason that black people like him so much is because he gets indicted so often so blacks can relate to him because they get indicted. You cannot make this stuff up. Now, there's not a shred of racism in these comments. The media is having a total meltdown. Trump is a racist. We've been hearing this for years. He spoke at the Black Conservative Federation and he told the crowd, I got indicted for nothing. He says, I got indicted for something that is nothing. And a lot of people say that's why black people like me, because they have been hurt so badly and discriminated against and they view me the same as them. So end quote. So what Trump is really saying there very clearly is that in the opposite of racism, he's saying that the reason blacks like me, they get indicted for nothing. I got indicted for nothing and blacks get indicted for nothing. So that's why they like me. So if anything, the media is saying, oh, Trump's a racist. Trump isn't blind that blacks are criminals. See, that's the lens the media views black people and the liberals. They always view the blacks as inferior, as criminals. They're the real racist. Trump is saying, listen, you get per- I've been I've been persecuted. I didn't do anything. No wrongdoing. Yet I'm getting charged with a crime. I'm getting indicted. And that's why blacks relate to me. So clearly they're right there in the words themselves that he used. Clearly, there is nothing racist at all. By the way, there is zero basis. We've heard them call Trump a racist for all these years. He doesn't like illegals. It's not because he's a racist. They say he doesn't like Mexicans. He's fine with Mexicans as long as they come into the country legally. He doesn't like Muslims. He's an Islamophobe. No, he doesn't like Muslim terrorists. That's the difference. Trump has no problem with black. In fact, Trump did so much more for blacks. I mean, black unemployment was at record lows when he was president. He did more than than Obama for black people. That, that Trump's record on blacks, you know, criminal justice reform. He was hugging blacks who got released from prison because of him. Trump has done so much for blacks. He got rid of illegals. Okay, they were the ones taking away the jobs that then blacks were able to go and take over. So that is Trump's legacy. But of course, the media is never going to give him credit. And even, by the way, even if he did mean to say, let's say he meant to say, listen, I look at the number of blacks who are charged with crimes, the number of blacks who are in jail, and it's disproportionate. There's a higher ratio of blacks in jail than there are in the, in the population at large. Let's even say that, okay? That's also not racist, okay? People think it's racist. When you say facts, if you would say, well, such and such group, they tend to be much shorter, okay? They tend to have a different makeup. They tend to look different or act different. That, that is not racist. When there's a factual uh, piece of data that use it, that says, well, blacks take up more of the prison population than they should, than the ratio in, in the greater population, right? So there's nothing inherently racist about that because all you're doing is you're stating the facts, but that's not even what Trump meant. All right, we have so much to get to here. Coming up, the Supreme Court has agreed to hear arguments over whether Trump had immunity from indictment, whether Trump is has immunity from being indicted for the January 6th riots, not that he did anything wrong, the Jack Smith trial, because Trump was acting in his capacity as president of the United States. So that is huge because it's going to delay this trial for months. The media is having a meltdown about that. Hunter Biden testified in Congress on Wednesday, and it sounds like he dodged all the tough questions. There's no surprise there. He didn't plead the fifth, but he just kept throwing it back in the Republicans' face, although we won't know until we get, get to see the transcript. President Biden continues to treat Israel like a doormat. Actually, that's insulting to doormats because Biden's treating them even worse than that. Biden is placing unthinkable pressure on Israel to cave into Hamas. Biden literally treats China and Iran with more respect than he treats Israel. But then again, Shouldn't be so surprised because, remember, Israel did not give millions of dollars to Hunter Biden like China did. So, of course, China gets better treatment from Biden, from from Joe Biden than Israel. 
All right, another week, another huge win for Trump in the primaries here, the Michigan primary. Of course, Trump demolished Nikki Haley. Biden won the Michigan primary, the Democrat primary. However, uh, a very big blow to Biden. 100,000 votes in Michigan went for uncommitted uh, as opposed to Biden. Biden got, I think, 600,000 votes, 100,000 votes for uncommitted. So that's a lot of votes. Okay, that's not good. And we will get to that. Uh, the, The CBS News executive. Oh, Boy, you can't you can't make this stuff up. The CBS News executive who fired reporter Catherine Herridge uh, and then confiscated her notes, confiscated her computers and her files uh, re- related to the Hunter Biden scandal that she had been researching for months. That news executive uh, is being honored with a free speech award, being honored with a free uh, a free speech award, literally after firing a reporter and then stealing her research and suppressing her free speech. Unbelievable. President Biden has completed his yearly physical, congratulations, his, his annual physical, Biden's doctor has done a, a, a thorough checkup, except for the cognitive part. Yeah, no cognitive exam. But Biden's doctor says that Biden is a healthy, active, robust 81-year-old male who remains fit to be success, to successfully execute the duties of the presidency. So uh, here's where, where the doctor got it right, okay? The doctor pronounced that Biden is a healthy, active, robust 81-year-old male. He's right about the 81-year-old. And give him credit that he called Biden a male because Democrats, they don't know the difference at this point. So, you know, actually labeling Biden a male, that's a bold statement. So 81-year-old, he got that part right. I give him credit. The statement was not totally fraud. They say if you tell a lie, you should always include a partial truth there. So healthy, active, robust, I'm not so sure. But Biden refused to take a cognitive exam and... Karim Jean-Pierre defended that decision, and she said, oh, that wasn't the president's decision not to take a cognitive exam. She says the doctor, the doctor recommended do not take a cognitive exam. Now, of course, the doctor recommended that because the last thing the doctor wants is to be the bad guy here and have to give Biden a cognitive exam, then tell the country the results. But you know what KJP said, Karim Jean-Pierre, she said... Biden passes a cognitive exam every single day. And that's laughable, obviously, because we see we see him. We see him on camera. Okay, as much as they try to hide him, there's certain things they just cannot hide. And she says they pass. But then I was thinking about it. She says, oh, he passes a cognitive test every day. What does he need a cognitive test for? And, you know, Corinne Jean-Pierre, in her mind, the idea of passing a cognitive exam is basically you can pronounce your name correctly and you could maybe spell your own name, maybe. So by those standards, you know, uh, she's thinking, well, he can do that. And I even they even by those standards, I'm not convinced that that Biden actually passes the test. All right. The CEO of Kellogg's is getting a lot of backlash because he said that inflation is so bad. He said people are struggling so much just to afford, uh, you know, d- d- just, just to afford dinner, just to afford to buy groceries that people should eat cereal for dinner and they'll save money. And by the way, cereal is not that cheap. But the CEO of Kellogg's, he says, look, it's very hard to afford basic staples, groceries. It's hard to afford chicken and meat. So you should just eat cereal for dinner. And people are the left. The left is having a total meltdown. How could a CEO suggest that you eat cereal for dinner? Oh, he's such an elitist, this wealthy elitist Marie Antoinette. Let them eat cake. He's so condescending and arrogant. This man, his name is Gary Pilnicek, the CEO of Kellogg's. And listen. Let me just say this to all you people on the left. Lighten up. It was a joke or maybe he's trying to drum up business for Kellogg's or he's trying to take advantage of the situation. He didn't do anything wrong. He's doing his job. He's the CEO of Kellogg's. He's allowed to be rich. It's okay. It's not a crime to be rich. And he did not create this problem. Okay. 
He's trying to get people to buy a product that he manufactures. Liberals, this is the thing, is they want to blame the companies. They want to blame the CEOs. They want to blame the rich people, okay? You know who you should blame? You should blame President Biden. You should you should be upset at the government because the government is the reason for inflation. The government's the reason that people cannot afford to buy dinner, not Kellogg's. All that this Kellogg CEO is doing, people just need to lighten up, get a sense of humor, and attribute blame to the person who's really accountable, culpable, as opposed to somebody who's just, you know what the Kellogg CEO is doing? He's holding up a mirror to the real problem, okay? The reason for inflation, the reason people can't afford dinner is not because of Vladimir Putin. It's not because of greedy corporations. It's not because of the CEO of Kellogg's. It's because of Biden. All right, Mitch McConnell, the, 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 Senate, the Senate minority leader, Senate Republican leader who's been around, who's been in the Senate forever, I think since 1985, he has announced that he's stepping down. He's not stepping down from the Senate. He's stepping down from his position as leader. So that's obviously a very big deal. And uh, people are looking at this as a victory for Trump because McConnell and Trump have had a lot of clashes. Even though when Trump was president, McConnell did a lot of good things. And of course, McConnell, he pushed through all the judges. And McConnell, one of his, one, one of the biggest moves that he made was, uh, and it was huge, was, was, was Obama at the end of Obama's term, of course, when Justice Antonin Scalia passed away and uh, Obama tried to appoint Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court. Now that we see what Merrick Garland does as AG, oh boy, I mean, that man, what a disaster. Obviously very liberal and very leftist, but also just, just, uh, just a, a totally incompetent human being. And uh, McConnell, of course, blocked it. He blocked Merrick Garland from being uh, appointed, nominated as as a Supreme Court judge or approved. So that's a very big deal. And McConnell did a lot of good things with judges and other things. Obviously, I've had a lot of issues with McConnell and I have a huge issue with him with this Ukraine bill and the border, everything going on recently. But either way, that's a you know very big win. They're looking at it for, for, for President Trump because they look at McConnell as one of the last Republicans who's not on Trump's team, who has a lot of clout and a lot of power. So him kind of stepping aside, um, it it really, really defines the Republican Party as being Trump's party, which everybody knows it is. Meanwhile, McConnell told Mike Johnson, according to reports, um, there there are a lot of talks going on uh, about uh, passing, you know, all these funding bills now because they're trying to avoid a government shutdown. And it looks like they're going to avoid a government shutdown, which is probably not good news for conservatives who want to cut spending. But we'll explore that in later date, you know, at, at a later time. But McConnell supposedly told Mike Johnson this past week, he said, listen, Ukrainian funding is more important than the border crisis. And this is obviously very disturbing, very egregious. McConnell supposedly told Mike Johnson, pass the Ukraine funding bill. Mike Johnson's holding out. He's saying, I'm not going to pass Ukraine funding. I'm not putting it up for a vote unless it includes some sort of real border package, not the bogus uh, phony border bill that McConnell endorsed. So McConnell supposedly said, listen, forget the border. The border is not important. We need to send money to Ukraine which is, it's just absurd. I mean, we look at the state of the country right now. Look at what's going on. And we have some horrific news on the border later on. There, there, there are a couple of very, very serious crimes, tragic crimes that took place because of illegals. And it, it's a direct result. Biden is complicit in these crimes. And McConnell is telling his fellow Republicans, oh, don't worry about the border. Forget the border. Let's just leave the border alone. And let's send billions of dollars to Ukraine. What? What are you talking about? I mean, McConnell was ready to set, to, to make illegal to allow 5,000 illegals to cross the border every single day, to actually codify that into law. All right, by the way, do you know Nikki Haley uh, spent 76 
million dollars in four in in, in in the first four primaries, seventy six million dollars, which is basically money down the drain. I mean, it is money down the drain because that money, where does it go? It goes to advertising. It goes to you know t- television and the radio commercials, and it goes to a lot of you know Google ads and Facebook ads and YouTube ads and whatever and TikTok ads. So that money is just money that is totally throw it in the trash. $76 million. It's interesting because Nikki Haley, she's trying to block. She doesn't want Trump. Trump is basically, he's installing his daughter-in-law as one of the heads of the RNC. So Trump's taking over the RNC. McConnell's stepping down from the Senate. Trump has taken over the Republican Party here, as he rightfully deserves to do, obviously. And uh, Nikki Haley says she's trying to prevent the RNC uh, funding from going to pay off Trump's legal bills. And that's becoming a whole debate. And uh, meanwhile, she spent $76 million of donor funds, of campaign funds, uh, down the drain. And uh, what's interesting is it's not really her. All the candidates do this, right, even if they know they're going to lose. But, you know, donors gave her money. The Donors gave her money, and they knew that she was going to lose. So like I said, in the Michigan primary, Trump clobbered Nikki Haley. No surprise. Biden won. Biden got 81 percent of the vote in Michigan. 81 percent for a sitting president is actually pretty embarrassing. But it's not because they voted for a different candidate. There are two other candidates in the race besides Biden, Marion Williamson, Dean Phillips. Marion Williamson got 3 percent of the, of the votes. Dean Phillips got 2.7 percent. But Biden got 81 percent. So what happened to the other 13 percent? That actually went to uncommitted. 100,000 voters. Biden got about 600,000 votes. 100,000 voters. So that's one-sixth of Biden's voter for uncommitted. And, of course, that was led by Muslim voters, that movement, the abandoned Biden movement, because they're trying to pressure him to pressure Israel to for a permanent ceasefire. So these are pro-Hamas voters, and it was led by anti-Semite Rashida Tlaib. The city of Pittsburgh announced that police officers will no longer respond to all crime scenes. And it sounds like the vast majority of 911 calls now will not have a response by police, by police officers. This is unreal. This is just just staggering that this kind of stuff is going on still with crime out of control. The city of Pittsburgh, they've announced There's a new unit, a remote unit that's going to respond to calls that are deemed to not require a live police officer. So it sounds like I don't think they're sending social workers. Remember, that has been discussed that when you have somebody who's high on drugs, you have somebody who's very violent, don't send the cops because that'll escalate things. I mean, you believe how nutty these these people are lunatics. These people on the left don't send police because police are going to escalate. Police are the ones that de-escalate. Police are the ones that come in and actually bring about peace and 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 uh, you know actually subdue the, the the bad guys. But 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 no, police are the bad guys, right? That's what they think. So now you have a new remote unit, same idea, but this remote unit is going to respond to calls. They're going to respond remotely. So like nobody's even going to show up. These are nine one one calls. You imagine you call nine one one to report a crime. And uh, and I'll tell you which crimes are included in this. And they say, all right, you know, just go to our automated system. Press three, you know, press one, press one for English, two for Spanish, or probably more likely one for Spanish, two for English. So which types of crimes are included where they're just going to basically write up a report? Burglary, alarms, burglar alarms, burglary, theft, criminal mischief, and harassment. Those will be handled by a call center. Or you're going to fill out a report online. This is insanity. What what is becoming of the world? Officers will still respond to in Congress to in progress, I should say, emergency calls when a suspect may be on the scene. They'll respond to a domestic dispute. And look, I don't know how they're going to go and figure this out. But I'm sorry if I call nine one one because there's some sort of theft or because there's a burglary alarm going off. And I know a lot of times it's a false alarm. I get it. Or harassment, harassment, criminal mischief. 
and they're going to say, well, you know, press three to leave a message or uh, go online and fill out an online report. And, you know, we'll try to get back to you in a timely fashion. What is the, the, the police 911 center is becoming a DMV. So. Who knows? Well, oh, but they're still going to respond if there's some, you know, some kind of emergency going on in progress. You really believe that the police chief of Pittsburgh said that he wants to slash the bureau's calls from 200,000 a year down to 50,000. So the, the police in Pittsburgh are only going only to be responding to 25 percent of the 911 calls that they used to respond to. It's just unbelievable. No harassment or criminal mischief calls. I mean, what could the benefit be? What is the benefit of this? They're going to save money, I guess, but it's because they view the police as being evil. Okay, the police are racist. The police want to hurt blacks and minorities. So those dangerous thugs who wear those uniforms, that we're going to keep them off the streets. I mean, if you li- if you live in Pittsburgh, lock the doors, okay? I mean, if you live in Pittsburgh, try to avoid going outdoors as much as possible. And they want to compete with, like, D.C. and, like, Kabul for the most dangerous city on Earth. All right, so let's talk about Israel here. And, by the way, I should mention, and a caller left me a voicemail about this, there's a lot of controversy going on right now in Israel with the Gius, with the draft law, and obviously this is a very big deal, and it's very, very disturbing. Very scary stuff happening because, basically, there's been a deal in place for about nine months that uh, the government, that prevented the government, prevented the IDF from drafting Haredim and from, gra- from you know, from drafting Yeshiva Bacharim. And uh, the, basically that deal is about to expire. And now, of course, the war going on makes things very, very complicated because there's a lot of pressure. Uh, the IDF claims that they're short on manpower. So there's a lot, there's even more pressure than usual to try to draft Haredim. And uh, so that is something now, there's basically a deadline here in a few weeks where Netanyahu Netanyahu's government, Netanyahu's coalition has to defend the decision not to draft Haredim. And number one, there's a lot of pressure from within Netanyahu's own coalition. And number two, the court has gotten involved and the court is saying, listen, the burden is on Netanyahu. The burden's on the government. If you can't somehow justify not to, not, not drafting Haredim, then they're saying that they're, 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 they're basically the, the deferral where Haredim are allowed to defer and, and B'nai Shiva are allowed to defer is going to expire in a matter of weeks. So that is obviously, obviously extremely concerning and disturbing. And uh, we'll have to really dive into that at a later time. But I just didn't want to mention that, that this is a big issue that's uh, been in the news the last few days. And Biden is squeezing Israel harder than ever. The Biden administration now has told Israel they have to sign a letter pledging that they will abide by international law. Do you believe this disgrace? This is how they treat their number one ally in the Middle East. They say, when you, if you want to use American weapons... Uh, you need to sign a pledge that you will not break international law and you need to sign a pledge that you will allow humanitarian aid into Gaza. And by the way, humanitarian aid that goes into Gaza, that has been proven time and again. It goes straight to Hamas. They promised that it wouldn't go in the hands of Hamas. Where do you think it ends up? According to this report, if Israel does not sign the letter, then the United States will suspend the transfer of weapons to Israel. So the United States now is leveraging. They're using weapon deliveries to Israel as leverage to force Israel to be soft on Hamas, which, by the way, we told you, we warned you about this weeks ago. We saw this report that Biden was considering threatening Israel, saying we're going to withhold weapons, supplies that you badly need if you don't uh, fulfill our demands and go soft on and go light on Hamas. Exactly what we said was going to happen. And then here's the story. It's not like they're handing Israel weapons out of the goodness of their heart. It's not like the United States is giving a gift to Israel in terms of these weapons. Israel paid for these weapons. Israel bought these weapons. And now it's a question of delivering them the weapons. 
And Israel is abiding by international law. Okay, but the problem is you're going to say, well, so just abide by international law. Biden, he gets to interpret it, okay, when Israel goes and carries out airstrikes, because they need to clear out an area of the Hamas terrorists before they send in ground troops to to, to make sure they're not sending ground troops into these booby-trapped, dangerous areas. Biden calls that indiscriminate bombing. He calls that breaking international law. So he gets to decide arbitrarily that Israel's guilty of war crimes when they're not. And as far as the humanitarian aid, it literally goes straight to Hamas. They send bread, they send fuel. Who do you think grabs the bread and the fuel and all the food off of these trucks? Okay, there's hungry women, there's women and children that are starving in the streets. And then there are the terrorists who have the guns. Okay, who on earth, and we'll get into this a little bit more in a moment. Who do you think is is taking all the humanitarian, is hoarding all the humanitarian aid? I'll give you a hint. It's not the starving children and the starving women. Okay, and innocent civilians. Uh, And now Biden told Israel... Biden told Israel that they have no right to prevent Hamas from stealing the humanitarian aid. Seriously, this is actually, this is an Axios report. I know it sounds, uh, well, it shouldn't sound shocking. Anyone who knows Biden and who recognizes how much the Biden administration despises Netanyahu and is trying to really, really hurt Israel and hurt the Israeli government and all that stuff about Biden being a friend, he's not done a single thing. Look at his actions, okay? You can look at his words and his words say it all because there's so many leaks now, so many things that Biden has said to BB and has said to his own people behind the scenes, but even the original, remember when Biden was this great friend of Israel showing all the support? We told you he was just doing it to manipulate. He just said all the nice stuff so that he could have leverage with Netanyahu and then force him to do his bidding. And that's exactly how it's played out. But so Biden is no, I mean, he's a friend. Israel's like, please don't give me any more friends. Like, wow, I don't, we, these friends are really, really hurting us. So if you, if you understand how nasty and vicious Biden really is, then none of this should surprise you. But this is an Axios report, an Axios. The Biden administration asked Israel to stop targeting members of the civilian police force in Gaza who escort these humanitarian aid trucks in Gaza. Well, guess who comprises the civilian police force? It's Hamas. Hamas actually controls the police force, obviously. They control the health ministry. They control the hospitals. So obviously they, they, they control the police force in Gaza. And by and and so they're the ones who escort the humanitarian aid trucks and Israel and 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 Israel says no they don't we're not letting the humanitarian aid uh, trucks be escorted by Hamas police forces hello and Biden says no 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 you have no choice they say and listen to what they say and I, you know I read this story here in something called Front Page magazine. They say, listen, a total, but it's quoting Axios, a total breakdown of law and order is exacerbating the humanitarian crisis in Gaza. This is what this is what the United States, this is what Biden people are saying. They're saying they're concerned that Gaza is turning into Mogadishu, Somalia. And they say that there's a lack of security and that opens the door for armed gangs to attack and loot these aid trucks. So they're saying you need the Hamas police force there to, to maintain law and order. Can you believe this? And this is insanity. So here's what Front Page Magazine said in response to this report. They quote the Exodus report, then they say, armed gangs, a total breakdown of law and order. Who do you think Hamas is? Like, in other words, Biden is telling Israel, listen, you need to keep the Hamas police in place when the humanitarian aid is delivered. Why? Because otherwise armed gangs come and loot the trucks and there's a breakdown of law and order. So Hamas is going to solve that problem? I mean, are you kidding? Like, Biden is literally handing the humanitarian aid to Hamas. And it gets even worse. The United States is investigating now an Israeli defense contractor for what they call illegal activities. This is unprecedented. This is unheard of. The United States government has launched an investigation into Finkelstein Metals. Finkelstein Metals is an Israeli company that produces um, parts for for the Iron Dome, parts that are used uh, for defense equipment, military equipment, including the Iron Dome. 
There's allegations that they somehow got illegal government subsidies. According to U.S. officials, uh, Finkelstein Metals got grants that allowed them to then sell their products in the United States at inflated prices, which is a violation of trade agreements between the two countries. I read this report a bunch of times. I don't even understand. They don't make heads or tails. I don't make heads or tails out of it, but it really makes no difference. The point is that the United States, this is some bogus investigation, trumped up charge, even if these violations are accurate. And I have no reason to believe they are just because Biden says they are, because Biden's just using this again to hurt Israel. But this is unheard of where you have a country uh, conduct an investigation claiming that its ally basically slapped sanctions and all sorts of penalties on an ally, on a company that that creates, you know, defense equipment for an ally of yours. I mean, how about Ukraine? Okay, they're they're not investigating. You have all this corruption in Ukraine, billions of dollars, U.S. tax dollars that are getting hoarded by the generals in Ukraine and by Zelensky. And the United States says, hey, let's send more more billions to Ukraine. But Israel right now, they're investigating a a company in Israel for selling products to the United States at inflated prices. Come on. Sanctions and customs duties have already been imposed on Finkelstein metals, and that could endanger the supplies, uh, very, very crucial supplies that are needed in Israel by uh, the the defense industry, including the Iron Dome. So whatever they're saying to somehow justify this investigation, it's a disgrace. This never happens. No country slaps penalties on a private company that's in a friendly country. And what's really happening, of course, is Biden just using this to punish Israel's military and to hurt Netanyahu. I mean, think about this. Trump, he slapped tariffs on China, which it turns out now, by the way, is the best thing that ever happened. And people got angry at Trump because why is he hurting China? And here you have literally Biden doing something similar to Israel. And uh, Israel, you know, Biden's best friend, Israel. All right, so the Supreme Court will hear arguments about whether Trump has immunity. Uh, This is the Jack Smith trial, the January 6th trial, where they accused Trump of somehow... Uh, you know, they don't accuse him of staging an insurrection, but somehow staging a revolt or whatever exactly the charges are, inciting violence, interfering with a federal proceeding or whatever bogus charges Jack Smith made up. But um, this also could affect and, and Trump is, you know, his, his lawyers are saying, even if that's true, which it's not. As president, he's he has immunity because he was acting in his capacity as president trying to uphold the Constitution, which is a very strong argument. And that's why the Supreme Court's taking this case. And this whole, the, you know, if the Supreme Court rules in Trump's favor, then the whole lawsuit becomes moot. Then that, that literally the, the whole lawsuit crumbles. This could also affect the Georgia trial where they're accusing Trump of like racketeering. They're accusing Trump of trying to find fraudulent votes or something like that in Georgia, which is the opposite of what Trump was doing. That trial happens to already be crumbling because of all sorts of scandals involving uh, Fannie Willis and some of the other prosecutors in that case in Georgia. So a lot of the indictments against Trump are in danger of collapsing or getting heavily delayed, which is obviously very good news for Trump. So right now the the, the Democrats in the media are frantic. The Supreme Court will not have a verdict, right? The Supreme Court is hearing arguments here on this in uh, several weeks. I believe in April, but I'm not sure. But the, the, uh, whether Trump has immunity from these charges. So that delays the whole trial. Even In other words, let's say best case scenario now for the prosecutors, for Jack Smith, um, the vicious Jack Smith, who's indicting Trump, is that the Supreme Court is going to take weeks before they deliver a verdict in most cases. They're thinking June or July that this ruling gets handed down. So this very much delays, and only then can the proceedings of the actual trial begin. And that, of course, drags out for months. So it seems very likely that this is now going to mean that the Jack Smith trial does not happen until after November. 
Uh, and certainly they're not going to manage to get a conviction. And that's assuming that Trump's lawyers doesn't come up with, with even more delays, even more tactics to delay. So that's the game here Trump is playing. And, and I believe they believe in the arguments. These are not just bogus arguments. And the proof is because if it was, the Supreme Court wouldn't hear it. But in addition to the fact that Trump might win this thing and, and prevent it from going to trial, they're also managing to create heavy months of delays. And that has the left furious. So we have, what do we have here? We have the four trials, right? We got the Georgia trial, the Jack Smith January 6th trial, the Alvin Bragg trial in New York with uh, the, the the campaign finance violations, which that, 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 that is a total joke. That's the only trial that's actually going to be, getting, be, be, be starting before the election in all likelihood. And those charges are totally a joke. I mean, those charges are, that actually could help Trump. That could, that could help Trump, I should say. That could turn around, totally flip around uh, in, in Alvin Bragg's face and actually uh, turn out to be beneficial to Trump. So the only uh, trial left besides those three are the classified documents trial. And uh, my understanding is that that's not going to be happening anytime soon. So this whole Democrat plot to get Trump convicted before November is completely falling apart. And they are just so, so uh, uh, upset and livid and frantic over this. And I could not be happier. All right. So Hunter Biden delivered a private testimony in Congress. Of course, this is a a private deposition. So we don't know what happened. And, you know, Congress, they're giving reports. They're not even supposed to talk about the details, but the Democrats came out and they're talking about the details. And Republicans are saying the Democrats are breaking the rules. But so we'll have to wait and see. Meaning, again, this was a private deposition. We obviously know the subject matter that was discussed, and that is Hunter Biden's business dealings. And there were no business dealings because all that happened was it was a big bribe. As Matt Gates said, this was not business dealings. Hunter Biden knew nothing about energy. They're paying him millions of dollars for being on an energy board. The man knew nothing about energy. China paid him millions of dollars to invest with him. He knew nothing about investing. Hunter Biden, he knows about cocaine. He knows about guns. Hunter Biden doesn't know anything about the business world, and yet they're paying him, throwing millions and millions of dollars at him, and they're saying, oh, by the way, 10% for the big guy. Well, who's the big guy? You know, I mean, uh, let's just just try to figure this out here. I'm, uh, I'm not sure. Let's ask Karine Jean Pierre. You know, to use all of her intelligence and her high IQ to figure out who the big guy is. So that's what Hunter Biden is all about. This this whole thing is a sham. It, it's so clear to anybody watching. Like it's so silly. It's just so silly. And and you see how the the, the swamp controls the show here because anyone who looks, you ask a ten year old, okay, Hunter Biden, no talent, no knowledge about energy, no knowledge about investing. Uh, flies on a plane, flies on Air Force Two with his father as VP. They they throw millions and millions of dollars at him. Why are they giving him the... And by the way, he admitted once in an interview, well, why did they hire you on the Burisma board if you don't know anything about energy? Well, it's because of my last name. Well, oh, well, excuse me. What can he mean by that because of his last name? Because Ukrainians really like, especially Burisma executives, they really like last names that start with a B. And rhyme with Leiden. Like, what What on earth could he mean that they like his last name? Um, his father was VP. His father was very influential and powerful. And by the way, Biden met with a bunch of, he claimed he never met with, with, with Hunter's associates. Turns out he had big meetings with Hunter's associates. And he would get on the phone and be on speakerphone and Hunter would text. So the, the, the whole thing is such a sham. And, and, and it really just speaks to, you know, everything that goes on here with, you know, with the deep state and the swamp and how they control Everything and and control the justice system. All right. So, but the point is, as far as how the actual um, 
testimony went. We don't know. It does seem like they're going to release the transcripts, so we'll wait until they release the transcripts. Republicans are saying that Hunter Biden dodged all the tough questions and did not have any answers or any explanations, which is probably true. Listen, it definitely sounds like Hunter Biden has a very clever lawyer. So you know, I'm not sure what to expect here, but they say he kept trying to flip it on Republicans that when, you know, anytime they would talk about wrongdoing that he or his father did, he would say, well, why don't you investigate Jared Kushner? Why don't you investigate all these Republicans who did things wrong? And he totally dodged any questions about the Biden crime family. But one thing Chip Roy said, Chip Roy did not get into too many details, but he said that Hunter could not explain why his father was present at all these business meetings since supposedly he had no knowledge whatsoever. Hunter kept saying, my father wasn't involved. It's a MAGA conspiracy. My father had nothing to do with any of my business dealings. And he did not say who the big guy is, 10% for the big guy. His defense was something like, well, we were just talking about possibly giving 10% to the big guy, but he won't say who the big guy is. And he said, well, I'm, I, you know, uh, my father was in the private sector anyway at that point, because at that point, I guess that was after 2017, Joe Biden had left office as VP. So, but the big question they say that Hunter Biden could not answer is what were you selling? What product were you selling? You have no product, you have no brand, you have no company, you have no knowledge, you have no experience, you have no skills. What were you selling? The only value, valuable thing that Hunter Biden had was his father, Joe Biden. And they said that also he kept using his addiction as a defense. He kept saying, well, I can't remember. He would like deny. He said, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. Oh, well, why were you texting China and trying to ask them for money? And your father was sitting right next to you. And he said, well, uh, I don't remember because I was I was suffering from addiction at the time. So I, it, it causes me to have a foggy memory. And it's like, well, you remember conveniently all the things that you didn't do wrong. But then when we ask you something that you did do wrong, oh, I didn't remember. Well, which one is it? And by the way, the fact that you're addicted at the time, that actually makes it worse. You're getting millions from Ukraine and millions from China. And you're saying, well, you know, I have excuses for anything that looks like I did it bad because I, I was suffering from addiction. Well, suffering from addiction, usually Russia, uh, Ukraine, China, all these countries, they don't give millions of dollars to people who are suffering from addiction. And uh, so whatever. The whole thing is just like bizarre. He's, you know, it, it, Joe Biden is the same as Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden, he's like he conveniently remembers the things he needs to remember. But then when they hit him with something that looks bad, oh, well, I can't remember because I was addicted. Joe Biden, right, he's not getting indicted over the classified documents because he's too forgetful. But miraculously, he remembers that, oh, well, there was no wrongdoing whatsoever. Everything was done totally legit. All right. Listen to this. The Pentagon has completed its review of the Lloyd Austin fiasco. And their conclusion is, get this, surprise, surprise, there's nobody to blame. Nobody's to blame. Nobody did anything wrong. And uh, they don't recommend that anybody get fired or anybody get reprimanded. So very, very convenient. But, you know, what bothers me is... If you take what they say at face value, that itself should be reason for Lloyd Austin to resign. I'm going to explain what I mean in a moment. But you know what bothers me? We always get reports and reviews. It's always a report. It's always a review. Nobody's ever culpable. Nobody ever gets indicted unless their name is Trump or unless they're a friend of Trump's. So let's give you this news on the Lloyd Austin fiasco. The Defense Department released a summary. They have this review and the review is classified, but they released a summary about the Lloyd Austin hospital stay and that whole fiasco. And it's a bogus review. Basically, the conclusion was in place before the review even began. And the review was conducted by some low-level bureaucrat. And it says Lloyd Austin did not act with ill intent or with attempt to obfuscate. Now, here's the problem. The problem is they say he was incompetent, but he wasn't malicious. Incompetent is enough. He's the head of the Defense Department. He's, he's literally the Secretary of Defense. He's not the Secretary of Defense 
at a time of peace when there are no threats. He says, Secretary of Defense at a time when things are volatile, the world is on fire, Iran is a week away from a nuclear weapon. That's literal. That's not figurative. They're literally a week away from a nuclear weapon. You got the war in Gaza. You got the war in Ukraine. You have literally um, naval vessels and U.S. troops being fired on and bombed by Iraq, by Iran, I should say, and by the Houthi rebels. I mean, uh, U.S. troops are in danger all over. So incompetence to this level is really, really egregious, unacceptable, and it's, and, and it's inexcusable, and he needs to go. So that, that that's my problem, is they say, oh, well, uh, Lloyd Austin doesn't need to resign. Why? Because he was just incompetent, he wasn't malicious. Incompetence is enough, okay? If, if, if he was the head of Google, okay, if he was the head of, name a company, Geico, uh, the, the, the board would vote him out over what he did, period. <laughs> but but he's, he's in the government, and he's a Democrat, and, and he's black to boot, so everything's good. Senator Kevin Kramer, Republican of North Dakota, said, quote, this briefing is a classic example of a lack of accountability. They sent a low-level bureaucrat who did a 30-day, a pretty low-level bureaucrat who did a 30-day process evaluation, interviewed a few people, came out with a secret report that does not have a single secret in it, and they're trying to run interference or obfuscate. Uh, Major General Patrick Ryder said, quote, um, first of all, medical privacy laws to include HIPAA prevented medical uh, oh, so here's the excuse. Yeah, I wanted to read you the excuses. Is This is Major General Patrick Ryder. He said HIPAA. HIPAA prevented medical providers, right? In other words, they're saying the reason that they didn't um, uh, uh, reveal the fact to the president and others that Lloyd Austin was in the hospital is because of HIPAA violations. They're not allowed to tell, the, uh, at least to tell his staff um, about his conditions. And for privacy reasons, the staff were hesitant to share information that they did learn. And the secretary's medical situation was in a state of flux. So it was not clear if it was going to be a one-day visit or a two-day visit. So here's what's so absurd is, number one, HIPAA. I'm sorry. You're talking about soldiers' lives that are in danger. Okay, violate HIPAA. Figure it out. Or, by the way, you don't have to violate HIPAA because it's so absurd. You don't have to say, listen, here's the disease that he had. You can say, listen, Lloyd Austin right now, I happen to know that he's incapacitated. There's no HIPAA violation to say someone's incapacitated. You don't have to say medically. You say, listen, I know that he's not at work right now. It's all you need to say. Okay, and then, then they can go and call Lloyd Austin and figure it out. So the HIPAA violation is totally totally it, it, it makes no sense it's 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 total it's, it's a total lie and then they're saying the half was it was hesitant for privacy reasons well that is a complete dereliction of duty that is totally irresponsible if you're the staff of the secretary of state and you know that he's not available you figure it out and you don't call the president or call the secretary himself or call somebody and say listen we got a problem over here when nobody's running the the, the the department of defense military so you know troops are being fired upon like that's there's no excuse that that itself. And well, they had bad judgment. They didn't mean anything bad. They just were trying to protect his privacy. Too bad. You're fired. Um, uh, and then they say, well, we didn't know if it was going to be a one day visit or two day visit. So what? It, 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 that, that's exactly the point. I don't know. It's not like, well, we knew it was going to be a one day visit. We didn't know he was going to the hospital for he had a medical emergency. OK, call the president. Listen, Lloyd Austin is, 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 is incapacitated for at least one day and we don't know how much more. That's a reason to call the president. That's not a reason to say, oh, well, it's an excuse. This is like kindergarten stuff. Like, this is the dog ate my homework is what this is. Senator Richard Blumenthal, who's a, who's a Democrat, he said, quote, I have very strong, severe questions remaining for the Pentagon as to how this seeming concealment was handled. And I think there ought to be some public accountability. Blumenthal's a Democrat. Blumenthal's very, very pro-Biden. And then um, Mike Rogers, Republican of Alabama, chairman of the Armed Services Committee, said, quote, unsurprisingly, the review of Austin's actions conducted by his own subordinates held no one accountable. That is why we are conducting our own investigation. We're going to seek answers. All right, the CBS News executive, we got to stop here. The CBS News executive who fired Catherine Herridge and confiscated her notes and her files. She's being honored 
one of the 13 honorees at the First Amendment, the annual First Amendment Awards. The First Amendment Awards at the Watergate Hotel. Ironically, that's where it's held. That's still a, uh, a, a hotel that's established and operating in Washington. That's the same Watergate Hotel that, of course, was central in, in the Nixon scandal. And uh, it's ironic. It's quite ironic that uh, here she goes and fires Herridge, Catherine Herridge, and uh, confiscates all of her stuff. I think they returned it now. Of course, after they were under enormous pressure and uh, suppresses her freedom of speech. And she is winning the First Amendment Freedom of Speech Award. Congratulations. And finally, all right, two horrific murders took place. I hate to discuss these things, but both by illegals. But, you know, what's so troubling is, uh, so number one, literally two illegals uh, committed two murders. And it's just, you know, horrific, unspeakable, terribly tragic. But again, this is Biden. Biden is complicit. President Biden is complicit in these murders. And what's even more egregious is that they were known to police both of these illegals who carried out these murders. They had already been arrested and released and not deported. They had been arrested, released and not deported. So this is what's always so upsetting is these people almost always are guilty of lower level crimes. And then it's recidivism. They let them out and then they go on to committing even worse crimes. And are we surprised? So they know these law enforcement knew about these criminals and let them out, didn't deport them. They let them walk free. It, it's just, it's so, 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 so incredibly disturbing. It's unconscionable. And here's the thing, you know, the, this is unspoken. This, the, 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 and now, now Eric Adams is waking up and saying, oh, we need to modify the sanctuary city status. We need to change New York. New York can't be a sanctuary city anymore because look at the stuff going on. Because one of these illegals committed, was arrested in Queens, the, the, tr- mistreatment, abused a minor in Queens, Got 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 arrested and released, and then the NYP didn't didn't did not even tell. They knew he was illegal. They didn't even tell ICE, and then he went and committed one of these murders somewhere else outside. I think in Georgia, somewhere outside of um, outside of New York, twenty two year old college uh, student. But the, but the point is, this is because of sanctuary city policies. See, part of the, what being a sanctuary city means is that they are not allowed. The NYPD is not allowed to alert ICE and allowed not allowed to avert, alert federal of, officials when they catch an illegal committing a crime. So they put the illegal in jail. The illegal gets released, of course, because that's how it always works in New York. Alvin Bragg, thank you. Or Queens was a different DA, but they're probably Melinda Katz. And they get released, and then they go and commit other crimes. And they're not allowed to... You have a mechanism to deport them. You don't even need to put them in jail because you have a mechanism you can deport them that day. But they're not allowed to report it to ICE. That's all part of the sanctuary laws that Eric Adams has been defending for all these years. Now he wakes up and he realizes he's in big trouble. And he says, uh, oh, you know what? We got to change these rules. Maybe these rules aren't working. You, you, no way. I mean, what have we been telling you for all these years? OK, now you're finally coming around to to, to, to Trump and, uh, you know, Trump's uh, policies. Very, very, very depressing. That's going to do it. Sorry to end on a, a on a low note here. I like ending on a high note. Usually, um, can we find something? Wow. Um, yeah. All right. No, we're going to have to end it on that note. I'm sorry. But go back, rewind it for like uh, four minutes or so and find something uh, more positive and upbeat. Go back to the beginning with uh, Trump's racist comments. All right, that's going to do it for today. We will see you next time.